Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, well, we have uh, wrapped up the Beatitudes and the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to be jumping into uh, two word pictures that Jesus gives that are very famous, but sometimes a little cryptic and a little tricky, uh, especially when we put them together. It's really interesting that Jesus chooses salt and light as two word pictures to describe what his followers are to be. So yeah, we've already talked about characteristics of kingdom citizens, things we should be if we're going to be in this new kingdom that Jesus creates. But uh, as we look at these word pictures as well, it's kind of cool to think about when you're a kingdom citizen, you have a king and you have a relationship with that king. There's going to be things you're expected to say and do for the king as long as you're members of this citizenship. And so verses 13 through 16 will discuss what we can do to testify about the king of this kingdom that we're now a part of. And so we're going to read verses 13 through 16 of Matthew chapter 5. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus starts with the image of salt. And this is the one I feel like really eluded me for a long time. Um, Kind of talking about like, okay, like, I get the light one. Like, that's the one that's cool. Like, you're the light of the world. Yeah, and like, he, he does elaborate on that one a little bit more, so it's easier yeah. to get it. Like, yeah, it's set on a hill. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I need to stand out with, with who I am and ultimately, you know, let my light shine for God. Got that, but then be a rock. Be salt. Be sodium. Yeah. yeah, like, what is this? And so it's really interesting to think through salt and then also to think through kind of the compare and contrast with sure. light and how these things work together. So first he says, you are the salt of the earth. Um, Then he'll say, you are the light of the world. Both of these things have to do with our relationship to the world, to other people, um, and and even specifically to those perhaps who are outside of the kingdom, who are not part of Jesus yet. Yeah, so he's readily accepting and, you know, telling us, yes, you're going to be a part of this new kingdom, but you're still going to have interactions with other people who are not part of this kingdom. Mm -hmm. He understands that we're still going to be in the world. Um, And so that needs to be understood. We're not talking, Jesus isn't calling his people to go and live by themselves somewhere and and form kind of like a cult and, you know, live in a commune. You know, that's not what he's calling them to do. He's recognizing they're still going to be living in the world and dealing with people of the world. That's right. And so his first admonition is to be salt. Yes. So what characteristics of salt do you think Jesus has in mind here? Yeah, there's several directions you can take this image. But the main thing that Jesus points out is that salt has to be distinct. It has to be different from the things around it for it to be useful. He says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's it's useless. This is is a really silly analogy, but I was actually thinking about this passage yesterday because I've got a four-year-old and she loves stickers, as most four-year-olds do. 
and uh, she brought me a sticker that had lost its stickiness. <laughs> you know, like when it gets like drops on the carpet or yes, something, and then yeah. like, you pick it up. And she didn't realize that like stickers can like if you stick them too many times, like they're done being. And it's like, yeah. what good is a sticker when yeah. it is no longer? sticky and i told her like sorry it's no longer sticky you're gonna just probably have to throw it away yeah and she's like oh no like, yeah <laughs> and, I, and i thought about this passage and it's like yeah. what use is a not sticky sticker like yeah, that's no, the whole it, point it's, it's literally sticker. in the name right right and I, I do love too that jesus he he chooses a, a picture that transcends time and cultures and everywhere. This is a spice used universally. Yep. Um, and I think that's really cool, too, that that's what Jesus uses. Um, but salt also is, is it's a very distinct taste, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. When you taste something, I'm, I'm no food connoisseur, but you don't have to be a food connoisseur to say, there's too much salt on that's this. salty. Or, or, boy, that could use some salt. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's got that distinct taste that everybody knows about. And... Jesus is using that as a parallel here. Yes. So salt, the, thing, the main point with salt is that we have to be distinct from the world. If, if we become like the world around us it, it, and don't make a difference, then there's no point in us being a Christian. A non-salty Christian, a non-distinct Christian, it just blends in with the world. He's like, what's the point? It's just You just throw it out. Um, and there'll be some other contexts in which Jesus talks about salt, um, uh, like in Mark, I think it's in like the end of Mark chapter 9, uh, or in Luke, other places, where he will talk about um, how important it is that we be distinct, that we be different. And if we're like a half-committed disciple, like at the end of Luke 14 is what I'm trying to think of, and uh, he will say, you know, what's the point? If you're not committed, if you're not different, then um, you're just it's useless what, yeah. what's the point of a half committed Christian yeah salt is one of those analogies that it, Jesus will use it kind of sporadically throughout the gospels mm-hmm. the other one Stephen mentioned is Mark 9 whenever he says for everyone will be salted with fire but verse 49 and 50 salt is good but if the salt becomes unsalty with what will you make it salty again have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool comparison as well yeah it connects it more with the Beatitudes again talking yeah. about being at peace with each other right so as we think about this idea of being salt, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, salt, you know, has these different properties as a as a substance, as a spice. Uh, one is flavor, and that's the one that Jesus seems to point out here. If it loses its taste, you know, how are you going to make it salty again? But it's also interesting that salt um, it does have healing properties. Uh, you know, we talk about putting salt in the wound; it's painful, but then it also helps to heal, and that's also can be true of Christians. Um, salt also has other purposes with like melting you know, snow and ice or mm-hmm. uh, in lot in real time one reason we're doing this podcast today is there's a big old snowstorm coming tomorrow and yeah I'm sure they'll be salting the roads today brewing. they're they're calling for 12 to 24 inches it's just a broad number by the way but 12 to 24 <laughs> inches a bunch of snow. here in harrisburg on wednesday uh tuesday or wednesday december the 16th 2020 is when they're calling for it but there's going to be a lot of salt out there, isn't there, Stephen? Yep. And it's going to be useful. Uh, it's, it's going to be useful to melt the roads and things like that. Um, but, I mean, if you just think about Christians, followers of Jesus being salt of the earth, being useful, and taking over with their good qualities, 
that's going to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that's what Jesus has in mind here is, is as you are being salty and useful in this world as my disciples, it will make the world a better place um, in terms of how it affects other people as well. Yes. And that's another attribute of salt is it preserves right. things. Um, it keeps keeps things fresh, keeps things uh, from going rotten. <laughs> that's really what Christians are to be in the world. We're to be people who are... Uh, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, uh, keeping things from going rotten. We're to be distinct from uh, the world that's just getting worse and worse around us. So one of the interesting things as we transition to talk about light is, okay, the goal is to keep the salt salty. Well, what's the easiest way to do that? Seal it off. (laughs) You know, Keep it in the shaker. Keep it wherever you keep it and don't let it touch anything. So then it will stay salty. And that might be, you know, what we think. And you mentioned earlier, you know, like, oh, do we do, should Christians just go off separate from the world and live shut off somewhere? He's going to say, no, that that's not how you stay distinct. You have to you have to be distinct. But being the light of the world is going to push us out from that possibility of being shut off. No, we have to be out there shining our light in such a way that the world is affected by this. And uh, the salt of the earth can't just stay in the shaker is the idea if it's going to season the world if it's going if we're going to affect the world we can't be cut off from other people yeah and i mean we also need to see the consequence of if we're not salty anymore we've lost our purpose and jesus says it's no good except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men i mean that's what's at stake here if we lose our effectiveness then we might as well be thrown out and we we need to continue to stay useful so we avoid that so there's this tension there between salt and light that I've got to be distinct, but the light imagery means I have to be present. I can't be distant. I have to be there shining. People have to see me, what I'm doing, so that I can be an influence. But the trick is if we're so focused on reaching out to people that we then start to assimilate, we then start to become like the world, well, then we need to come back to the salt image and say, no, we can't be like the world. We've got to be distinct from the world. But if we focus on that so much, that we've got to be distinct, got to be separate, so much that we're not impacting the world, that we, it's the balance, kind of a back and forth between salt and light. I do think it's interesting, too, as Jesus ended the Beatitudes with blessed are the persecuted, that he goes directly into be salt of the world. It's mm-hmm. really interesting because I think there's some tension with that as well. Because if we put ourselves out there, we're going to risk persecution and things like that. And Jesus is, again, doubling down and saying, yep, that's what I expect. I want you to put yourself out there. That's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. Don't let the fact that you might be perse- you may be persecuted make you not want to spread your salt and, and you know be effective out there in, in this kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Let's look again at the light of the world and focus on this for a few minutes. Um, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, I love this one. Um, It's another good word picture. You can kind of envision this, Christians being the light of the world. This city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden whenever it's got all of these lights that are lit up on a hill. You can see it from far away. We understand that word picture. So one thing that's I will always remember, um, so 
my dad and my brother and I took a trip to Israel uh, last year. And when we first drove into Galilee, it was nighttime. We were getting toward our hotel in uh, Tiberias. And the first thing that struck me when we drove up and we're like, oh, here comes the Sea of Galilee. And of course it's dark, so you're mm-hmm. not going to see it. You couldn't really see the Sea of Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by hills or little mountains. Mm-hmm. And all along the ridge, guess what you can see? You can see the lights of the different towns up along the hill, all around the Sea of Galilee. So if people growing up around the Sea of Galilee, I mean, Jesus is delivering this on a mountain, you know, around the sea, they would have known, yeah, when it's nighttime. Like, you can't hide a city set up on a hill outside of Galilee. Like, this would have been an image that those people would have had in their minds. And that that just fascinated me and struck me um, as how they might have seen this when Jesus said this. Well, and also the the picture Stephen just painted for us as well, you were t- describing it at nighttime in mm-hmm. the darkness. And that's when light really has its most effectiveness is whenever it's in the darkness. And that's right. we live in a dark time in dark culture, sin rampant, running throughout every country, every culture. And in that darkness, Christians all the more can stand out as lights of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the pictures here that we're supposed to see. The darker the night, the brighter the light. That's right. And so Jesus says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And the point here, Jesus makes it almost ridiculous. You know, you don't hide a city on a hill. Like, that's kind of the whole point is you put it up on a hill so people can can go to it. It's kind of cool that it ties in with several Old Testament pictures of God's city being Mm -hmm. up on a hill of Zion, uh, there's a lot of prophetic images that talk about all the nations flowing up to the mountain where Book God's city is. Those, yeah. um, so again, we could go off for a long time on the kind of the Old Testament background of what a city on a hill signifies. But it's the point Jesus is making here is that you can't hide it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't try to hide it. And the same thing with a lamp. You don't put it under a bed or under a basket, you know. Um, of course, it can't read this without singing the kids song you know yeah. hide it under a bushel no <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but again isn't that the temptation that we just face all the time and all the more as our culture slides away from the lord is we want to hide it well i could still be a light but maybe i just trim it a little bit like to get it uh, uh dim it uh, just a little bit of light it's like no we, we've got to shine all the brighter as the world gets darker and so he makes it ridiculous. You know, what is the point of a light if you hide it? Mm-hmm. And it's similar to what he said about salt. What is the point of salt if it's no longer distinct, if it's no longer flavorful? Right. And so with both salt and light, he kind of goes the negative route and says, <laughs> non-salty salt, what? You know, yeah. like, what's yeah. the point? Hidden light? What? what? Yeah. That, that's ridiculous. And so we're supposed to come away from both of these things saying we have to be distinct and we have to get the light out. Mm-hmm. We have to shine it. Otherwise, what's the point? And I love Jesus' balance here because you say, okay, good. I'm going to go out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show off my Christianness, if I can make that a word. I'm going <laughs> to do all these things. And, well, there's a temptation there. The, the more you're out there doing good things in the world, the more tempting it might be to to be a little arrogant about that, to be a little bit prideful about how how much you're standing out. Well, Jesus gives the necessary correction in verse 16, right? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Okay, great. 
and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's right. You're not doing this for you, okay? Jesus is saying, I'm aware that I'm putting you out there and you're going to be lights in this world and people are going to be looking to you, but it's not for your own personal glory. It's for the glory of the Father. And we need to remember that as we strive to do any good work, um, any good work that's defined for us in Scripture, that we are doing that not for our own pride and our own glory, but for the glory of the Father. And that should keep our attitude in check as we strive to do that. Yeah, Jesus is going to spend a whole like half a chapter mm-hmm. of this sermon, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18, mm-hmm. are all about this principle of beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Right. So some people say, oh, look, there's a contradiction in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in chapter 5, let your light shine so that they may see your good works. And then in chapter 6, he says, beware of practicing before other people in order to be seen by them. So do I want people to see my good works or not see my good works? Mm -hmm. Which one is it? And the difference is in the motivation. In chapter 5, he says, let your light shine. And I like the way the New American Standard puts it, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. In chapter 6, he warns against, watch out for doing your good works so that others may see your works. The the difference is in the emphasis and the motivation. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing good just so other people will praise me and say, oh, look at what a holy person, look at what a good person they are. Jesus will say in chapter 6, hey, you got your reward. Like, if you're just doing this to be seen and to get a pat on the back from other people, that's not the point. But if you're doing this so that people will glorify God and you're not looking for the credit, that's the one who's really blessed. That's the one who's going to find favor in God's sight. You know what really impresses me as we take not only verses 13 through 16 into consideration today, but all the Beatitudes as well. You can't come away from these first 16 verses and say, you know what, I'll just casually be a follower of Christianity. Jesus is outlined first in the Beatitudes. It's going to change you personally. Inwardly, it should change you. Secondly, it's going to change how you treat others and how others treat you. So now it's getting into your personal relationships with people you may already know. And then he ends here in 13 through 16 by saying, it's going to shape how you are a person in society and the way you are a person in the world. And so it goes from personal, personal relationships to society and world. I mean, it is just come full circle here in these first 16 verses. And that is so important to see here. Um, because nominal Christianity isn't a thing. Jesus is saying, you have to be fully committed. It's going to change everything. And I would imagine, you know, he goes, we'll get into verses 17 and on later, but in verses, these first 16 verses, I'd imagine there were a lot of people going, you know what? Um, Jesus, just stop right there. I'm out. (laughs) This is enough for me to hear, to know that this isn't what I want to sign up to be. This isn't what I want to do. And so uh, I just think these first 16 verses sum up well Christianity as a whole. Jesus will get into more specifics a little bit later on. Yeah. I just want to make one more connection uh, with salt and light specifically. There's another passage in John 17 when Jesus is praying for his disciples and talking about their relationship to the world. That I think that this really helps kind of sum up uh, this idea of salt and light that he talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. In John 17, um, we're just going to read a little bit here in verse 15. Uh, 
he says, this is John 17, 15, Jesus prays, uh, actually back up to verse 14. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. That is worded so perfectly. I mean, man. Jesus' um, prayer. But is the idea here, I, I want you guys to stay in the world, to be salt, to be light. But I don't want you to be of the world, right? I don't want you to be a part of their sin and a part of the things that they're in. And I think the whole idea is the in the world, that's the light part of it. Right. Stay here. Be a light. But the not of the world, that's the salt part of it. And it's in statements like this as well that you see Jesus is clear that his kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom he's calling us to be a part of makes us stay in a worldly kingdom that we're already a part of. And so we're citizens of this kingdom, first and foremost, that Jesus is talking about. But that doesn't negate the fact that we're citizens of the United States of America or wherever you're listening from. But first and foremost, you are citizens of this kingdom. Jesus acknowledges that. That's right. So I I love that as we kind of wrap up today to think about, I need to be not of the world. I need to be the salt of the earth. Don't become assimilated. Don't become conformed. But at the same time, I need to be in the world and sent out into the world. I need to be a light so that people will see the difference and glorify God because of these good kingdom characteristics that he's given to his people. And so as we will, Lord willing, in the next episode, shift gears a little bit, Jesus has now outlined what it's going to look like for those who live in this kingdom. Now he's going to have an open and honest conversation with what is a Jewish audience about how his new kingdom fits with the old law and the old way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be a lot of questions as Jesus continues preaching about, well, how does this match up with what it says in in the old law, in the Old Testament? And Jesus is going to address some of those things in the next section. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, review. Um, We'd love to talk more with you about these things. Uh, Reach out to us, 717-585-0949 or capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check us out at capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.